0: SaaS Backwards is sponsored by Austin Lawrence Group, specializing in demand gen for SaaS. It sure is noisy. I deleted 100 emails from vendors just this morning. Your buyer has gotten better at ignoring you, and you're going to need a big idea if you want to cut through all that clutter. Austin Lawrence is just the right agency to help you find it. So if your campaigns are falling on deaf eyeballs, let's talk. Visit AustinLawrence.com today, and let's build something bigger. Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, where we reverse engineer the success of fast-growing SaaS firms and explore strategies CMOs and CEOs are using to drive their businesses forward. Welcome to SaaS Backwards, a podcast that helps SaaS CEOs and CMOs to accelerate growth and enhance profitability. Our guest today is David Howard, Vice President of Marketing at Buzzboard, a generative AI-enabled online platform for sales teams to deliver hyper-personalized customer experiences across different media. Hey, David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Ken, it's great to be here.
0: Now, excited to have you and to record your episode, but before we dig in, could you give us a little bit of your background and tell us something about Buzzboard?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing SaaS marketing Gosh, I'm coming up on 15 years, been in the call center business, been in the data business in one way or another, a few different companies. Buzzboard are, yeah, so we absolutely have a generative AI platform. And then, you know, we'll peel back the onion on what that means. But the core thing about Buzzboard that we have is I always call it the biggest, baddest, bestest database on small and local businesses. So Anybody who wants to sell into small, mid-sized local business, and it's also important to know, we tend to think of those as like main street mom and pop shops, but there's a lot of small business that are like, you know, not the main street, walk in the front door, ring the bell in the door, somewhere further upstream in a supply chain, right? Lots of small, mid-sized businesses that are not just consumer-focused retail. We have what we think is the best database on small, mid-sized business. And if you sell into that space, you sell digital services to local business, you sold a small business, you look for mid-sized business. We think we have an exceptional database to help you segment your market target. And then with this Gen AI product, hyper-personalized to get into sales conversations.
0: Well, I mean, having more fruitful conversations is really the coin of the realm in go-to-market, <laughs> right? I mean-
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And us as marketing professionals, that's our job is to help our sales teams to have more of those conversations. Yes, let's get right into the proposition of Buzzboard. What are you doing that's breakthrough and breaking through?
1: Yeah. so again, at the heart of what Buzzboard has is this you know fantastic database that I don't know of anything else like it anywhere else. And with the data we have on you know these small local businesses, we have over six thousand digital signals that we track, we basically scour the internet for every one of these small businesses. We look at their website, we look at their Facebook presence, we analyze their HTML, we pull data from other sources. So for some 30 million businesses, we're able to provide, you know, over 6,000 signals that can help our customers, hyper-personalize, segment, target, all of that stuff. So what's new with this Gen AI platform is we have long made the data available to other companies in different forms. We've long had two different online interfaces to the data. One is like really demand gen marketing focused, kind of bulk. And then the other is really salesperson focused, like, I'm going to sell some digital advertising to small business today. So who do I start with? Let me pull up my list of candidates. And we've also sold the data in bulk, you know, through API, right? Just classic. I mean, we've all seen the discover orgs and those over the years, right? That kind of model bulk updates overnight, API to API. And, you know, that's tended to be, you know, demand gen marketing ops, whoever's got responsibility for data hygiene. So what's new, you know, we started late last year. We have put on top a generative AI layer. And what that allows now is for sales organizations to leverage the same data set, 30 million businesses, 6,000 signals. But then, you know, basically with a click, generate hyper-personalized content, conversation starters, emails that factor in a whole bunch of different things. So what are those different things? It factors in signals from Buzzboard for your prospect. It factors in your product information. So our customers will go in and enter, this is the product that I have to sell. I sell over-the-top advertising or digital ads. It factors in product information, factors in the data on the business, it factors in data you have in your CRM. And basically what we're doing is for each of our customers, we're creating essentially a micro-LLM that is specific to their business, that really pulls all these data sources together. And, you know, there's an instructor at graduate business school at Stanford, Raz Joshi, you know, he's come out and he said, you know, AI platforms or shops that use AI and leverage proprietary data, that's really where it's at. That gives you a competitive edge. So we think the data that we offer to our customers combined with what they have in their CRM or the marketing automation platform, that really speaks to that competitive edge, right? Is is they're gonna get a a micro LLM of sorts that is highly tailored to their business and their needs. And then basically one click generates an email to forward a conversation, one click generate a script for a cold call, one click generate a direct message for Twitter or X or something like that. So all this content that comes out through a generative AI model, which leverages all these different data sources. And, you know, the feedback we're getting is just so favorable, so positive. And we can speak about that. But so far, everybody, we've got this into the hands. I mean, they're digging it. They love it. They don't have to write prompts either, right? They Just click a button.
0: Well, I mean, that sounds hugely valuable. In fact, in a meeting today with one of our enterprise software clients, the ask was, hey, our sales development team, they're having trouble writing their outbound. Can you guys jump in and do that? And yeah, of course we can, but I think it would be really empowering for teams to have the ability to get 80, 90% or more of the way there, as you say, almost at the click of a button, right?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I've been there too. I mean, I've been at so many shops in a marketing role where the SDRs or the account executives, they come to me and they say, you know, can you write a templated email for me to talk to this audience? It's sort of like the blank page problem. Where do I start? So I've done that, of course, many, many times. And- you I know, think as we all we, have.
0: It's like a rite you know, of passage. It's a rite oh, of absolutely. passage.
1: absolutely. <laughs> a rite of passage in every company you work with too, right? Because you, you got to do it all the time. So the other interesting thing as we, you know, we started development on this late last year and, you know, look at that, you know, that writing the templates for the sales team, whenever communication is hyper-personalized from a generative AI, you know, pushing the button, we really don't need those templates anymore right? Templates are how we used to scale, right? So you've got six SDRs that have each got to make 50 outreaches per day. And how do you scale it? And the marketing guy, as you've done, right, as we've all done in marketing, writes the template and then says, okay, well, here's the merge field. You just put in, hi, Kenneth, right? And I'd be happy to help Acme Corporation. So that's how we've scaled historically, right? Really, you know how you do volume outreach. And you know, I, three months ago, I saw something on LinkedIn, and I've still got it kicking around somewhere, but somebody on LinkedIn said, attention, marketers, you know, you're sending the same templated email to 20 people in my company, and we all see it, and we hate it, stop it, right? Hyperpersonalization, personalization where every communication, every message is going to be essentially bespoke, right? It means the end of templates, right? And indeed, you know, we've published uh, what we call the No Templates Manifesto, which we really hope puts the nail in the coffin, if you will, on templates, and arguably, templates, I mean, they're really just spam generators, right? Because it's the same content. It's not personalized, right? And it gets picked up uh, on the inbound mail server. We think, you know, recipients of hyper-personalized emails are going to find more value. We think salespeople who generate them and send them are going to find value because it's more effective. And we're going to have less complaints about spam because... It's just not going to be, you know, bulk generated templates, right? It's every email is going to be personalized.
0: Can you maybe elaborate a little bit on what that personalization would look like? You know, if someone on your team was trying to sell to me. Just sort of make sure. it a little more real for folks so that they understand what that might actually look like.
1: Yeah. So we can, yeah, you know, it, it depends. It depends on so many factors, but we might say, you know, hey, Kenneth. And, you know, it's beyond just, you know, the name of your company, right? Hey, Kenneth, you know, from what we can see, you're spending some money on Facebook advertising and maybe you're spending money on some Google ads. But do you know, like, it looks like you have some competitors who are also spending, but they're spending more, you know, wouldn't you like to know how you can grow your business relative to what your competitors are doing? And isn't that interesting to have some kind of comparative data points about what your competitors are doing versus what you're doing? So, I mean, that's a pretty common example, right? What we also do is we do these uh, SWOT analysis. You know, we'll look at your web presence and we do, we'll score like a digital maturity score or like a, a web presence score. It could be, you know, hey, Kenneth, we've been looking at your website and you have a low digital maturity score on your website relative to these other guys who would look like your competitors. And if you increased your SEO activities, increased your pay-per-click and fix some, you know, fix this problem on your website... You'd bump up your score and you'd probably see growth. So I hope those are good illustrative examples. It does get a little bit tricky, you know, when we <laughs> have so many signals to draw upon for each business, you know, the personalization ends up being you know very different for each prospect. But that's the notion, right? We have so many data points that we can leverage and, sh- and reflect back to the prospect something meaningful and specific about their business.
0: Is that under the control of the person sending out the email? Can they decide what the nature of the personalization is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So kind of the first step, if somebody gets on our platform, they enter in the products that they have. And ultimately by doing that, when they generate content, uh, our platform will be responsive. So if you know we calculate a digital maturity score for the prospect and it looks like SEO is weak and the sender of the email has an SEO product to offer, the personalized email will be like, yeah, Kenneth, it looks like your SEO is weak relative to you know your competitors. We would help you by offering this, you know, gold premier SEO management service, for example. So it's personalized that way or tailored that way by the user. You know, what products do you have? What products do you care about selling? What products are you stable? And everything that we generate, the end user has a chance to tweak it and tailor it a little bit just to taste. And so full control over it, right? And it, it really what it's solving is, you know, I'm at a blank page and I don't know what to write. And getting it, you know, 90, 95% of the way there, allowing some season to taste capability.
0: I think it's really important to maybe should have set the table just a little bit in advance of describing this. The majority of your customers are selling to small local businesses, right? This is not an enterprise sale that your clients are engaged in. Correct. So there's a need for this, get it almost all the way there for the rep because he or she won't have the time or maybe even the skill set to do that kind of research and personalization, right?
1: Well, that's exactly it. So, I mean, what is the problem that, you know, Buzzboard is solving with this product? So our customer engagements to launch, there's a really interesting point that came up, which I'm going to keep everybody in suspense for a minute. But, you know, the modern B2B SaaS sales cycle, we're asking a lot of the reps. You know, they've got to be, you know, a researcher. They've got to be an investigator. They've got to be a detective. They've got to gather all this stuff. You know, what do I know about the small business and where do I get it, right? They got to do all that stuff before they can even get to the blank page. We're like, what the heck am I going to write? So it absolutely is greater efficiency, right? And greater speed, right? I mean, you log into Buzzboard, you pull up the business, all of the data is there, the analysis, you know, the digital maturity score and all the customized scoring that we can throw on and then, you know, click, I want some conversation starters. It really speeds that whole process up. And it, I mean, it does the investigation and detective work for the rep, for them. But what is super interesting, as I mentioned, as we, you know, talk to customers and, you know, try to understand from their perspective where they saw value and what their pain points were, it provides confidence to the sales rep. And I lost track in how many customer engagements that, you know, our customer on the other side of the Zoom call said, wow, this is great. You know, one guy is a trainer and this guy, he trains all the new sales reps that come in and he's, you know what I see all the time as I get new sales reps that come in and like they're nervous right? You know, this is going to give them the confidence when they first do that outreach to the prospect, gives them confidence to have a meaningful sales discussion, that they have a strong picture of who that prospect is so that they don't fall on their face when they get into the sales meeting, right? So, you know, if you go to the Buzzword website, you're going to see that, right? We talk a lot about offering sales reps that use our product, you know, we offer you confidence to approach your prospects with confidence, absolutely efficiency, right? You don't need to do all the detective work. You don't need to do all that research work. You know, we do that for you and you can minimize the amount of strategizing you do because the user of this platform puts in the products and it'll generate, It'll do the analysis of the prospect and then it will generate in response. Well, what's the strategy? What should you offer to this prospect based on what the Buzzboard analysis tells you and based on what your products are that you have to offer?
0: Yeah, that's great. And especially some of these teams, there's a lot of turnover, right? So in the training scenario, the local cable TV sales or local radio sales team, these folks not all are long lived in the job. So maybe you can help with the onboarding and even the longevity ultimately. So, you know, you look at the, what is the benefit of the product? Well, it has a certain functionality that it delivers in the sales scenario, but actually, I think the, the gains here go beyond, you know, what's right in front of you and on the screen.
1: Well, you know, those of you in your audience that are accustomed to the effort, the time, the trouble, the hassle of onboarding an SDR, onboarding an account executive, getting them up to speed, all of that work, right? And then, what's the greatest cause of turnover? Right, lack of success. Right? Those people survive; they have longevity if they're successful. So. You know, we believe, right, and we're actually seeing results with folks who are using the product, that it facilitates greater success faster through all the things that we've talked about. And when salespeople are successful, they have longevity, right? And so if if they're not successful, you have lots of churn, then think about all that cost of, you know, recruiting a replacement, onboarding them. So to, to your point, like you said it well, right, beyond the immediate obvious benefits, there's all these downstream benefits to a product that makes salespeople more successful and you know, retire quota faster, right?
0: Yeah, that's great. I think it might be good also to talk about what was the business selling before it had this capability and, you know, how has the new capability changed your own go-to-market and selling motion?
1: Sure. Well, I, I think I spoke to it a little bit earlier. So before we rolled out the Gen AI product, we had, I mean the, the core crown jewel for Buzzboard is our database on small, mid-sized local business. So we sold the data, you know, like connect to our Salesforce API or use our Salesforce app, the integration, or use the Zendesk integration, or use the Chrome extension. So people could access the data, right? You know, through Salesforce, through, you know, their CRM, through the integrations, through the Chrome extension, or they could log in directly, you know, like uh, login.buzzboard.com, you know, log in and use the platform natively. And, you know, like I gave the example earlier, right? A salesperson comes up and says, you know, geez, I got a number to hit. I'm going to call down some folks today. Who's a good prospect for me to call down today? So you log into BuzzBoard, you start your research. You know, today I'm gonna sell to, you know, Main Street Pizza Parlors who are on the West side of town who, you know, have the letter Q in their name, right? I mean, with 6,000 signals, you can select based on anything, right? So a comes in, whatever their selects are, surfaces those businesses. And then they've got a lot of data and information that they need, right? Who's a contact person? Where's the business? What do they do, right? What's their digital maturity score? Are they buying on Facebook? Are they buying Google ads? You know, all, all these different parameters. So we've always had the data. We've always sold the data and monetized the data. And before the AI product, we monetized it in that fashion that I just mentioned. You know, a sales rep comes in, they figure out who they want to sell to, and then they start their sales process. On the, you know, the marketing ops, engine gen side, that's more a classic, you know, discover.org. You know, every night we're going to bulk upload, you know, bulk enrich, bulk upload, you know, 5,000 account and contact records overnight. And then when the gen guy comes in the morning, everything's updated and refreshed to support marketing campaigns as well. So again, there's another part of your question too. What's that change for us in our motion? Um, exactly, that's the important, important part. Yeah. Right? yeah, right. Yeah, you thought I was going to skip it, right? You thought I didn't want to answer. No, I, it. <laughs> I was going
0: to remind you.
1: <laughs> you know, I know you were. <laughs> so what's different for us now is we're shifting towards a, a PLG type motion, a product-led growth motion. The price point for the product, you know, is on a, a per seat basis. And I just want to give a shout out, and maybe you know these guys too. You know, the folks at Winning by Design. Are you familiar with that? And John, you know those guys, right? I think they do really good work and they've got a great chart that maps together, you know, kind of what your typical deal size, how many transactions. And if you look at that kind of, you know, low contract value, lots of transactions, that puts you in this PLG motion where it's, you know, online, self-service, you know, the product selling itself because it's so delightful to use. Maybe there's some virality features introduced in the product. So that's what's changed in our go-to-market motion is more of a shift away from, you know, like a two-stage SDR account exec motion with a higher price point. So yeah, we're up to our neck in PLG now.
0: So it's not just you have a different product to sell, but you have a different way to sell it. And what's been that journey for, for you as a marketer and how's that going?
1: Yeah, it's going well. Certainly it, it's an adjustment. And for anybody out there who's like you know, similarly positioned, it's like, you know, we used to sell some kind of two-stage named accounts, ABM, SDR, AEs. It's absolutely an adjustment, right? The marketing team ends up working closer with the product team than perhaps before. Product team starts to be looking at what features do I need in the product to help drive the signups, right? Absent a PLG motion, you're not really thinking that way, right? And there's, you know, there's lots of examples out there. I think Loom was a really good example of an uh, appeal motion. They introduced like, hey, I created, everybody created this video. Uh, let me share this great video I did with Loom. And then other people see the video and that's really cool. And you did it. What? Loom? Oh, Loom. Okay. So you, you get into that. So that's something that's different and not hard, but it, you know, it just does take some adjustment and just a little bit of reorientation in your mindset. Uh, I think it's a little bit different on the product team side as well, right? Product team is not used to the marketing guys saying, give me a feature to drive leads, right? That's just outside of PLG. I don't think that happens so much.
0: Well, no, it's not really important to have a specific thing available at a specific price point, even if that's free in order to drive some take up, right? So it's totally a different dynamic within the group. And you mentioned also that it's lowered the price point, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So another way to think about the motion is you know, you get the price point down, you know, the way I like to think about it is you've got the maverick, you've got the rogue sales rep who like who finds it and believes in it. Right. And what's the word, you know, beg forgiveness, don't ask permission, beg forgiveness. So you've got the maverick sales rep. It's at a price point where he or she feels comfortable to pull out their own credit card. Right. I believe in this. I need this. I'm going to give it a shot. They pull out the credit card, they sign up with Buzzboard. you know, after a month of usage, they're really happy, you know, they're hitting their numbers. And then like, Gee, Ken, how did you do it? Well, let me tell you, I signed up for this cool platform that is generative AI. Oh, that's awesome. How do we get the whole team on it? Right. So, you know, I think that's important for us, right? Is you find those, you know, the early adopter folks who are willing to stick their neck out a little bit out of self preservation, right? You got a salesperson who's plopping down their own credit card and then hoping to get reimbursed later. Maybe it's out of desperation, but out of need, right? Out of need and desire or improving their own performance, right? And this is a tool I think is going to help me. I'm going to try it. And then they succeed with it. I mean, that's our best champion, right? So, you know, salespeople who see the benefits and experience it, that's more marketing for us than I can ever do from the marketing team, right?
0: How did you, I mean, it's a little bit of a drill down here, but did pricing change for the product? And if so, how did you decide on pricing itself?
1: Yeah, well, it changed a little bit. In that we think there's you know some added value in the AI capacity, the AI capability. So kind of on a per seat basis, we bump the price a little bit, but it's still very approachable, right? It's still within range of that maverick or rogue salesperson that's going to give it a shot. And then we had to think about our tiers, right? It's like kind of the initial point of entry is kind of like that one z two and then you know what's the next tier where that one z two goes out and champions it internally, and suddenly there's a team of six that want the product, right? So, you know, what do those bundles look? What do those packages look like? And then, you know, at the high end, right, you know, what's the strategic sale, right? You know, the larger beat SMB company that needs, you know, 20 seats, 30 seats, 60 seats. So, yeah, I changed a little bit, you know, the price point, it changed the tiering. And then it also changed, you know, what are all the discriminators, right? What are all the different bells and whistles that you can turn on or turn off that you get at different uh, different tiers and different price points?
0: Did you have an outside consultant come in to help you with pricing or did you guys do it yourselves?
1: We did it internally with lots of input from our existing customer base. We've got a strong customer base in media and broadcast and in digital advertising, in, in digital agencies, digital ads, anybody who sells digital services. So we did a lot of work. Our CEO was on calls and I sat in on many of them where we're talking to customers about, you know, what's your pain point? What would be the what would be the greatest benefit? What do you think this is worth to you? You know. So no, we did not use an outside consultant, but great engagement with our existing customers.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a great opportunity, right? To re-engage with the customers anyway, doing that research. Yeah. It's
1: awesome. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Speaking of customers, what does it take to sell a SaaS to other SaaS companies? I mean, some of your customer <laughs> base in SaaS, right? What are they telling you that you have to prove or do?
1: Well, you know, I've thinking about this, you know, one, and I don't mean to be flippant about this, but one thought that comes to mind, and it's also because this, you know, these articles, some of them old, some of them new are surfacing coming up across my desk and LinkedIn. The reason a lot of startups fail is because they don't have a product that anybody wants, right? You can pick your data point, right? I just looked up something, 42% of companies that fail, they fail because they don't have a, a product that anybody actually needs, right? And that's a problem in the Valley here, right? Is, is people really not understanding if, if they have a fit for the product. So, I mean, it's obvious and it's not, right? Really make sure that there's an appetite for the product. I think that's something we did super well, sort of in parallel, right? We had a sense that there was a need for this. We could see the vision, we could see the value. So as we were working on it, you know, we're also getting out talking to customers. Well, what if we could offer you? What if we could do? How would this feel like, right? So it's kind of obvious, but it's also kind of not. So first of all, you have to have a product that folks want, right? You know, next, have a clear understanding of their world. And I think we did that really well, too, with all these customer interviews, really understand what their world is like. And I I go back to that example of, you know, the, the training person who said, wow, this would be great because I see so many, you know, new reps come through and we train them up as best as we can. And, you know, there's a lot of industries where, you know, SDRs, right? B2B sales and SDRs, for example, it's where I come from. Those are young folks, right? Maybe it's their first or second job. And, you know, they're determined to be successful salespeople, but they need the confidence. So I think we did really good listening and engagement sessions with customers to understand their worldview, their pain points, what works for them. And then, you know, build that into messaging, into product, into the solution set. And if you can do all that, understand their world, speak to them in their language, speak to their pain points. That goes a long way towards making the sale.
0: Yeah, we're big believers in that exact process, too all starts with the customers and their experience and how you can improve it. Absolutely.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Yep.
0: How have you turned that into content to drive opportunity at Buzzboard? What kinds of content are you creating and how is that realized in the demand gen side of the equation?
1: Sure. Well, that's been a bit of a shift too. You know, before the AI product, we did a lot of, you know, sort of classic B2B, you know, type content, right? webinars. Long form assets, you know, white papers, thought leadership stuff, and that's kind of all you know, standard stuff for nascent technology, right? So, what's shifting for us is not so much long form content, a lot of you know, shorter form stuff, greater use of social media, you know, email marketing. You know, we're able to point the buzzboard gun at buzzboard and use our own technology and our own data to start hyper personalizing emails that we send out, right? So, yeah, in a nutshell, I mean, I think less of that long form content that so many of us you know, B2B SaaS at higher price points that we're we're used to generating. We're so proud of when we get that 30-page white paper done, right? But
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, that can can be a process in itself.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, right? Uh, So, wow, it's a relief to not have to have those eternal content development efforts that result in 30-page white papers. The other important thing, you know, in a PLG motion is, gosh, product becomes front and center, right? So the tools change. You know, you're starting to look at tools like, How do I do screen recording? How do I do interactive video for the website? How do I show the product front and center? Because by hook or by crook, right? Whether you're on Facebook ads or Google, or you're sending hyper-personalized emails or word of mouth, you got to get people to the website. You want them to sign up. And we don't do a freemium model, by the way. We do a free trial. You know, I think otherwise reasonable people can get into heated arguments about freemium versus free trial. We went down the free trial path, so you gotta get on the website, you gotta get them to go to that button for the free trial, you gotta get them to sign up. To do that, you gotta showcase the product, give them lots and lots of looks about what it's gonna be like. It's like, imagine they come into ice cream, you gotta give them 32 samples, right? Not just one, you gotta give them samples of all 32 before they're gonna commit to buy. So I think that's maybe the biggest thing is the emphasis on product and product experience, front and center, to get in front of people, to capture their imagination, right? Oh, I see what that looks like. I see how I would use that. And I'm ready to sign up for that free trial.
0: So it's less theory, more reality, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And particularly in this moment, and you know, maybe you have some experiences, right? I think it's maybe toned down a little bit, but I think there was a period like earlier this year where it seemed like everybody was trumpeting, right? We do AI, right? Or we're going to do AI, join the wait list. Well, do you have a real product or do you have vaporware? So I think, you know, I've seen lots of companies that sure looks like vaporware, you're claiming AI because you need to be there, but it sure it looks like there's no real product yet. So content is product-centered. And when you do product-centered content, it puts substance behind it. It's not just slides. It's not just screen, you know, screen mock-ups. You're really, really showing the product in all of your communications, right? Product shots out on social media, product shots in your email, website as interactive product visuals. So that's a big part of it. And it shows that it's legit real. Substantive product.
0: Great. So we're running a little long, so I'm going to do the last three questions in a totally new format here on SAS Backwards. We're going to call it the rapid fire. Rapid fire. How, how do you do it rapid fire Q&A? So tell us very briefly, how's your team organized and what are the benefits of having some of your own team members offshore?
1: Yeah. So wow. How to how tighten that up. So look, offshore, there's still a, a labor arbitrage, right? there's still some cost savings to be had offshoring. We do have folks in India and from the marketing side, we have individual contributors in India and they're close to our product team and our data operations team. So there's benefit to that, particularly with marketing and product working that much closer together.
0: And what percentage of the teams here in the US
1: versus offshore? 10, 12%, I would guess. Is here? Is Yes, is here, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and what are the handful of, KPIs that you run your organization by and how does that coordinate with sales?
1: Yeah, well gosh, we could have a long conversation, but I mean, I'm a believer, you know, the CMO VP of marketing job is like translate those revenue goals to, you know, bookings goals, to opportunities and then all of the metrics flow down from that, right? I mean, that's this is where marketing needs to be totally aligned with what the top level objectives are and then, you know, my job is to translate that into strategy and tactics yeah you know, the marketing manager email marketing manager yeah they got to know their open rates and clicks but really first and foremost what are all your top level objectives right so I'm just going to name that for us specifically around this product i mean and we spent time on this we really boiled it down it's like you know how many website views right how many people are getting to the sign up page how many people are signing up for a free trial and how many are converting to paid it doesn't really get more complicated than that it can be really simple in terms of like what are we reporting out at the weekly leadership meetings? What do we really care about? What are we really tracking? Oh, sure, all the other stuff you know we care about, but you know, top level corporate goals and then product level measurements of signups and conversion. Sounds
0: simple. like the simple recipe for how marketing can align with sales in the C-suite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Keep it simple, Sam.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And last, at a high level, what's the marketing tech stack that you operate the business on?
1: Oh, sure. So, well, Salesforce is a CRM. Pardot as a marketing automation platform. We have Buzzboard, of course, right? Our Buzzboard is part of our tech stack. It pushes all kinds of data into our platform. WordPress for the website, kind of a no-brainer, maybe not too exotic, but that's the core of it, right? And we layer on other tools here and there, but that's the core of it. Pretty classic B2B style tech stack.
0: Makes a lot of sense to me. Hey, David, thanks so very much for being a guest on the podcast. If people want to reach out to you to connect with you or learn more about Buzzboard, how can they do that?
1: website, www.buzzboard.ai. That's your best bet, buzzboard.ai.
0: Awesome. And I assume you're on LinkedIn as well and open to connection with listeners.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Just LinkedIn, Buzzboard, David Howard, you'll find me. I'll be right there.
0: Perfect. And if people want to reach me, it's LinkedIn slash in slash Ken Lempit. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so wherever podcasts are distributed. David Howard, thanks so very much for being a guest on SaaS Backwards.
1: Oh, pleasure. Thank you, Ken. Thanks
0: for listening to the SaaS Backwards podcast brought to you by Austin Lawrence Group. We're a growth marketing agency that helps SaaS firms reduce churn, accelerate sales and generate demand. Learn more about us at www.austinlawrence.com. You can email Ken Lempett at kl at austinlawrence.com about any SaaS marketing or customer retention subject. We hope you'll subscribe, and thanks again for listening.